Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This Working Scientist podcast series is sponsored by the University of Queensland, where research is addressing some of the world's most challenging and complex problems. Take your research further at UQ visit uq.edu.au. Hello, this is How to Save Humanity in 17 Goals, a podcast brought to you by Nature Careers in partnership with Nature Food. I am Juliana Gil, Chief Editor at Nature Food. Welcome again to the series where we meet the scientists working towards the global development targets brokered by the United Nations. In 2015, world leaders pledged to solve a range of economic, environmental and social issues. A package of 17 development goals were agreed upon. Since then, in a huge effort, thousands of researchers all over the world have been tackling the biggest problems that the planet faces today. In episode 3, we look at sustainable development goal number 3, how to ensure health and well-being for all, and meet a psychiatrist who is determined to push mental health further up the agenda. So my name is Shekhar Saxena. I am a psychiatrist by training and uh, have involvement in public mental health. Currently, I teach at the uh, Harvard Chan School of uh, Public Health at Harvard University. Earlier, I worked at the World Health Organization for several years and I was directing the Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse. The Sustainable Development Goals of the United Nations was actually a landmark achievement and in a way agreement of all countries which was uh, very much more advanced than the previous uh, millennium development goals and uh, I would refer to two uh, reasons why I say it was a major change. One is that SDGs apply to all countries rather than only to the so-called developing countries and the second the areas that SDGs included uh, were uh, many more than MDGs. So it was more comprehensive and it was applicable to all countries. And I'm very happy to to say that the, uh, the SDG 3, which is about health and well-being, is a very progressive uh, agreement of the countries. They uh, really said that health is important for their development. And the goal is a healthy 
life with well-being, which was of a high degree for all their citizens. So it was a landmark declaration by the countries. UN is just the conduit. It's the countries that decided to do that. And uh, I'm also happy to see that mental health was explicitly included within SDG 3. And it was an integral part of health. So yes, it was definitely a very progressive uh, declaration and mental health attained a level of attention that uh, perhaps was not there earlier. I began my professional career as a psychiatrist, treating uh, people who came to me one after another, uh, a hundred after another hundred. And that was very much a clinical practice where SDGs, which were anyway not there at that time, were, were uh, quite irrelevant. However, my profession um, transited to a public mental health where it was not about clinical practice, about, it was about population mental health. And that's where the principles of uh, care for all uh, and also community participation and prevention and promotion became more important than just the treatment. So that was the next stage where I started working for WHO. The SDG era, which started in 2015, is a further transition where mental health is not only a part of health, but it's a part of development. And that's what my work involves now, to see to it that mental health is given enough attention within the health agenda, but it is also given importance in the sustainable development agenda. I should just say that uh, having done clinical practice for uh, for two decades actually helped me a lot in my further work as a policy person. Because when I look at policies now, when I advise about mental health policies to countries, I have those people in mind who I treated. The policy is to actually help real people in real places and not in an, on an abstract. Policy is a document that is written on paper, but it's supposed to help real people. And that's what is lost many times. And I, I consciously try to keep that in mind to say what will be the impact of the policies on people who I saw in Delhi or I saw in, in Nigeria, in Lagos, or anywhere else, including in New York, actually. And the policies need to be such that they help the people who are most in need at the maximum. And that is what is important, the principle of equity, the principle of policy uh, serving everybody, and policy serving the largest number of people rather than very well a small number of people. Uh, the understanding of mental health has improved a lot. The awareness about mental health problems within the citizens has also improved a lot. Uh, the uh, very frequent references to mental health in the media, in the conventional as well as social media, has increased enormously. Now, we cannot go through a day without reading something about mental health in, in the media that we read. So, understanding has increased, 
research has increased, awareness has increased. What has actually not increased is the amount of resources that we spend on mental health. I should also say that uh, uh, COVID pandemic, which obviously killed a lot of people and, and uh, affected a very large uh, proportion of population in the world, was actually a net gain for mental health because it increased the awareness. Of course, mental health problems increased quite substantially, actually. But the awareness and attention also increased a lot. However, there is a still a lack of human as well as financial resources that are devoted to mental health. You might be surprised to learn that uh, on an average, countries spend less than 2% of their health budget on mental health, when the burden is something like 10%. So there is a large gap between what is needed and what is available for mental health. So that is the number one problem for mental health in the world today. We lack trained people who can provide care. We lack policies which are conducive to better mental health for the population. And we need the financial resources to make that happen. Having said that, uh, and also having said that the uh, mental health situation has actually improved not as much as is needed and the progress is far too slow, let's take a couple of examples to, to illustrate. Uh, suicide is one of the final and perhaps the most tragic outcome of mental health issues and conditions. Not necessarily of mental disorders, but obviously of distress which people face. And that is still a very large problem, a very large public health problem. In the world currently, it's nearly 800,000 people who die because of suicide every year, which and every death is far too many. So this is a, a big problem. Although I should say that the overall suicide rate in the world has actually come down just a little bit. So there is some progress that is taking place. But in many countries, suicide rate is high and is increasing. Let's take the example of two large countries. One is India, where the official rate uh, official number of people who die because of suicide is about 170,000 per year, which is anyway large, but a fairly substantial number of suicides are uh, are not reported because of the stigma, because of the legal issues and other issues. So the unofficial numbers are perhaps much larger than that. And actually, it has been said that India has about one-third of all completed suicide in the world, which is so large and is increasing. What is even more troubling is that some of the most vulnerable groups in India uh, have shown the largest increase in the suicide rate, which of course includes the poor, but also suicides among women and amongst young people are increasing a lot. And that is something which is uh, extremely tragic in a, in a country like India, which is uh, uh, which is developing, actually developing, as opposed to many other countries who are not developing, this is a is a very sad uh, uh, loss of human resources, 
who could actually assist the economy. And that's what brings me to SDGs. Because suicide is a, is a phenomenon that is directly affected by the social and community environment where we live. So, things like poverty, lack of education, lack of job opportunities, discriminations of all kinds and deprivations of all kinds directly affect people who are prone to, uh, to die because of suicide. And we need policies that actually can provide the kind of uh, environment where people live, uh, which will be helpful to decrease the number of suicide. Take one example. Suicide amongst young students have shown a marked increase because of the excessive competitiveness that is part of their life. They have to struggle through their school education. They have to appear in the competitive examinations. Then they have to struggle for a job. And many young people decide that dying is easier than struggling through for many years, which is very sad. It reflects the society that we live in where a young person does not feel that life is worth living. It's a sad reflection on the kind of environment that we're providing to our young people. But that's what is happening. Take another example of USA, where again, the suicide rate is larger than the global average. And in fact, is increasing from about 10 per 100,000 per year in, in the year 2000. In 2022, the rate is 14. So there is a substantial 40% increase in the rate of suicides. And it's again increased in young people who find themselves jobless or without any opportunities. And there has been a substantial amount of talk on what are the reasons for doing that, including lack of a direction in their life and lack of opportunities when, uh, when they should be doing so well. Getting educated, getting a job, raising a family, that's where people decide to die. So these are two countries which are very large, which have a higher rate of suicide than global average, and is the increasing rate, which to me directly connects it to the social and economic determinants of mental health and of well-being. So these are issues that, that are extremely important for global mental, mental health currently. Mental health is the final outcome of many factors that are operative. There are, of course, biological factors. It has to do something with the kind of brain that we have, the kind of uh, structure and function of our, uh, of our higher brain functions, which is the, uh, and to some extent, uh, genetic predisposition. But those are relatively smaller. Mental health is much more I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
an outcome of the environment that we live in and the kind of stresses that are operative on, on us and the personality and the resilience that we gather over a period of time and the maturity that we uh, acquire over the years. Uh, mental health is important for uh, all people at every stage of their life. So starting from their birth, in fact, even before birth, there are factors that affect us. And uh, the factors that are affecting mental health are much more important during early childhood compared to the later adult life because the formative years of life are the ones where some of these factors uh, can have a very large impact later in life. Many of these factors are social and economic. The, the kind of environment that we live in and the kind of family, the kind of community, the, the kind of macroeconomic environment that we live in. Uh, and it has a direct relationship with the sustainable development that uh, have been decided by the United Nations as goals. Uh, early childhood is a period where deprivations of all kinds, for example, extreme poverty or lack of adequate nutrition or lack of uh, adequate uh, social stimulation can have a direct impact on children's development and that will lead to uh, lesser mental health in the future as well as certain mental health conditions for example depression or anxiety or uh, sometimes the substance abuse problems that are there the second issue which is again quite important is violence violence against children of all kinds physical as well as sexual uh, and also against other uh, vulnerable groups uh, like girls who are especially prone to violence as well as adolescents who can be suffering from bullying including cyber bullying which is now uh, a quite a common occurrence can have a lasting impact on their mental health and, and these factors can be definitely taken care of by educate policies but also by protective mechanisms which are put by the family as well as community and that's where the maximum cost effectiveness can be gained by the kind of policies and the kind of structures that we put in place. Unfortunately there is inadequate realization of some of these very important factors and so we fail to protect our children and adolescents from suffering the harms of some of these factors. And in providing the kind of protection that is needed, especially for those children who are more vulnerable for that. So for example, children coming from poor uh, socioeconomic status, children who have difficulty in uh, staying, joining and staying in the school, the children who might be isolated, children who come from uh, difficult families, and so on. So these are the kind of policies that can actually affect uh, the mental health of the future generations in a much better way. It is important to recall that 50% of all mental health conditions arise before the age of 15 and 75% before the age of 24. So it's the young people who have the vulnerability 
to have a mental health condition and sometimes not always but sometimes these conditions have an effect all throughout the life so protection of mental health and prevention of mental disorders by socio economic policies and community led initiatives is paramount for public mental health i know that we need treatment but we need much more promotion protection of mental health and prevention of mental disorders which are the hallmark of public mental health policies the problems because of mental health in societies around the world are likely to continue to increase not only in terms of numbers of people who will be affected by mental ill health but the overall status of mental health and well-being uh, which are going down uh, there are many reasons for that uh, that kind of prediction a very unfortunate prediction one is the demographic change because societies are uh, getting older and we do know that older people have a higher chance of getting into mental health condition including uh, depression as well as dementia which directly affect affects the mental health of people uh, but another reason is that uh, large socio economic and and other changes including uh, the recent recently recognized climate change and environmental issues are also affecting a lot as if there were not enough problems we have one more to deal with climate change is directly affecting the mental health of people there are various ways in which this is happening one is that climate change is affecting the numbers of disasters and natural calamities that are coming up and we do know that people who are affected by natural disasters but also by conflicts and wars are at a much higher risk of mental health problems compared to the other people and so the proportion of people affected will continue to increase in the world today with the number of conflicts and wars that are happening as well as the increased frequency of natural disasters like uh, floods and droughts and uh, and earthquakes and other uh, disasters that are that are happening including storms and hurricanes a much larger proportion of people are getting affected and that's likely to increase which means a net increase in the mental health problems global mental health has seen a number of policy initiatives uh, in international area as well as in many large countries and they, these are all positive for example uh, as we discussed earlier the united nations included mental health and well-being in its sustainable development goals in 2015 who has a mental health action plan that was passed by the world health assembly in 2013 and has now been extended to 2030 these are very progressive declarations by the countries to say that mental health is important but also to actually uh, clearly and explicitly state what they have agreed to do for mental health in the coming decade or more and these are very very positive things 
Another thing which has happened is that many countries have revised their mental health policies and laws which are more in keeping with the research findings currently as well as the human rights issues that are coming up much more in this area. So all of that is very positive. Uh, many countries have made uh, new mental health policies which are very progressive and, and are rights-based rather than the earlier policies which were much more charity-based that mental health people require help, so let's give that. But now it is that mental health is a right. So let people, let's honor people's rights for their health as well as mental health. Another good policy which has been accepted by the United Nations but also by WHO is the policy of universal health coverage, which means everybody should have the access to health and health services as per their needs and it is their right without incurring the kind of catastrophic health expenses that are very common. And when we use the word health, we include mental health, obviously. So this is again very progressive, although I must say that many of these international policies and agreements are far from being implemented within countries. And here I mean rich countries as well as poor. Many of the rich countries have actually not accepted the principle of universal health coverage and are providing excellent health care for a few, but are ignoring the health needs of a large number of people who live in those countries. And obviously, in low and middle income countries, this target is, is far from being achieved. However, it is good to have at least international policies that are progressive and hopefully gradually the countries will adopt and implement uh, many of these policies and, and good progress is being made in many countries. Take the example of India, which has explicitly included mental health within their health policies. And in fact, at a local level, there are health facilities which are keeping mental health as one of the health services that need to be provided. Now, that's something which is good, but of course, the implementation uh, requires uh, much more effort than is being done. Take the example of uh, uh, a country like South Africa, where mental health has been integrated within overall health care, but also within maternal child health care, which has worked wonders for some of the people who need help. In spite of poor resources, they are making making good progress. Uh, of course, there are rich countries which are making very good policies and implementing them. Take the example of Australia or Canada or some of the Nordic countries which are doing very well. But many of the low and middle income countries are also making very good progress in their policies. And when I mention policies, I mean not only health care policies, but overall health and social and economic policies which, as we discussed earlier, have a very large role on improvement and, and promotion of mental health rather than just treatment of mental disorders. The United Nations Sustainable Development Goals was a promise as they agreed upon it. It was an inspiration. Are we, when we are midway, 
on the uh, SDGs, are we anywhere near achieving them? I should say that in the area of health, much progress has taken place in some areas, but the progress in many other areas is is very much lacking, and it is uh, uh, it's very doubtful whether we will in the next uh, how many six years that are left will make uh, enough progress to achieve those goals. Uh, however, I should say in the area of mental health, uh, the progress is is really commendable. And we need to increase the resources that need to be available. We need to have better policies, better coverage of, uh, of mental disorders uh, for treatment and care, and more human rights-based policies. And if countries make added efforts, then we can certainly make much more progress on that. If you're asking me a question whether the SDG goal number three for health and and well-being will actually be achieved by the majority of countries, the answer is no. But whether improvement is taking place and will take place towards these goals, the answer is yes. But I would also add that we need to speed up our, our progress if we are anywhere, if we are to achieve the targets anywhere near the goals that we agreed upon. Thanks for listening to this series, How to Save Humanity in 17 Goals. Join us again next week when we look at Sustainable Development Goal number four, How to Ensure Quality Education for All. See you then. Working Scientist podcast series is sponsored by the University of Queensland, where research is addressing some of the world's most challenging and complex problems. Take your research further at UQ. Visit uq.edu.au. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, practice makes perfect. That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.